Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we review, discuss, and analyze Back to the Future Part 3, one stargazing minute at a time. I'm Nick Menez in the news. I'm Scott Corelli, and we're joined once again by John Engel from Alien Minute. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yeah. Glad to have you back. And today we are going all the way back to Minute 64, where uh, a lot of stuff is happening. Uh <laughs> Starts with, uh, I almost called her Claire, but um, what's her Maggie. name? Maggie. Maggie. Maggie says you better pick half from Mister Eastwood, and ends with uh, some really adorable, uh, meet cute shit between mm-hmm. uh, Doc and Clara. Yeah, Doc uh, describing space travel to Clara. <laughs> um, oh well. Oh no. Wait. I've a so this is. I have all. I I had really strong feelings the first time I watched this minute. Doc is pulling a Marty. Well, okay, let's let's put a pin in that because okay, we need okay. to talk about the start of the minute first. Okay, cool. Well, um, I just want to say Leah Thompson nails that one line that the movie gave her. Uh, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I hope you'll be considering the future mysteries. She's so um, good, and like she's never read stuff. Yeah, she she is really good, and I and I like I like how stern Maggie yeah, is. Yeah. And how she's just kind of got this like perpetual frown on her face through this whole story. Uh, she's and, like and your grandma, just, the way she, you she imagine puts her the, as a young woman. Yeah, she puts the period on the on the sentence, um, and then and then of course hmm. uh, Marty yeah. has to put the additional period on the sentence. Okay, um, so yeah, this is the part <laughs> that I mentioned in the last minute. Yes, uh-huh. where I love. How Seamus puts Marty in his place. Marty mm-hmm. thinks about what he said. Process. And that was it. the end of that last minute. Yeah. And then Maggie comes in and says something that, you know, you're an arsehole. Uh, po- kind of po- pokes us in the ribs about time travel in the future yeah. and that. And that's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay. It's okay. I Basically, what I'll do is I'll, here's me story editing this movie. <laughs> I would have never gone there. But that's me. I wouldn't have even had her say anything. I would have ended this. This here we're, we're right now. We're putting a button on the sequence. We just had the hoe down hoot nanny sequence, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. The hoe down. And we're putting down. a button on it. <clears throat> putting a button on it right now to move on to the next one. And I guess in my mind, right there would have been a nice spot to maybe let's not be a comedy for this moment. We've just yeah. all kinds of silly shits just happened. Sorry if you can't swear on the show. I can't remember. Anyway, no, you um, you can you can say shit. They say it in the movie. It's fine. Okay, cool. That's um, our special rule. There's been there's been a lot of comedy, <laughs> but right maybe right now is the time where Marty has to get we get serious for just a minute. And um, uh-huh. no, I don't mind though Maggie coming in and get putting in her two cents because I like her too. And Leah Thompson, obviously, she's been a consistent presence in all these movies, so she shouldn't just be in the background. Yeah, it'd be weird so if she entered so and left the scene without having a single line. Right. It wouldn't have been right. So I give it to him. I say, fine. You know, I wrote the if I wrote the script, I wouldn't have gone there. But you tell me you show me Leah Thompson. I say, cool, give her a line. But I never would have had Marty say what he says. Not only is it kind of lame and a dumb little comedy button, but it also kind of undercuts what the meaning of that last conversation was. Yeah, it does. It it, it switches your focus. 
Um, well, cause the- then you're like, it, it switches your focus. Cause it, that whole, he never considered the future. Well, okay. Here's what I will say about that. I do like about that. I don't, I don't like what Marty says, but I do like the line where he says he never considered the future. And that moment, Seamus is reminding Marty, remember what you were like in the future. <laughs> That's that works. I mean, you know, to me, to me, there's two meanings of the future, right? Obviously in this yeah. movie, there's this place called the future. Like right. it's, it's in different places in this movie. It's 1985. In the last movie, it was 2015. But there's also the fact that Marty is a like continuous, like existing entity, a person right. who sure. has a future no matter where or what time sure. he's in. And he Which is what Seamus is, is directly referring that's to. That's what he's talking about. And he's not right. in that. He doesn't think of that future. He never right. does. That's the whole point. Right. And that's what Seamus says to him. Therefore, I don't really like it that Marty has to give us this joke. I I would right. much rather have had that moment linger and move on. And right. that's just me. You know, I think it's kind of a, it's a sort of lame joke from her. That's then compounded by a kind of fully lame joke that also undercuts the scene. So for me, I would have fine with her. I like her. I like that line, but I would not I have think, had Marty say anything. He shouldn't have gotten th- the last word in that scene. He's got put in his place. Right. Like, and let's I, and I think, I think that the, the way to do that is you have, You have Seamus finish the story and you have, then you have Maggie put the button on the story by saying he never considered the future. And then they walk away and they leave Marty to be like, "Mm." yeah, like you don't even have Seamus say the line about, he was never thinking about the future. You have Maggie say it because Maggie is the one that is most worried about, like, she's the one that's always pulling Seamus back. Like, don't help people because they might screw you over. Don't do this because of that. So she, the idea she reminds of her, me a lot of uh, she reminds me a lot of Dolores from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. I could see that. Well, but yeah, I mean, having her like kind of sum up the story of saying like he never considered he was never considered or or never bothered thinking about his future. Like mm-hmm. having just saying that, like he never bothered thinking about his future is enough of a thing where in the context of the scene, it's like, oh, OK, yeah. Like, you know, Marty isn't thinking about his future. He's just thinking about the embarrassment that he's feeling here and now and he wants to fight back. That makes sense. And then it's the kind of line that when you watch it, the movie a second or third time, you're like, oh, that has a double meaning. Like it has, it's a double entendre line where she's talking about that, but then it's also talking about literally Marty's future self and how the problem that they're talking about is why he is the way he is in 2015. Sure. And we could have taken a moment to think about that. Like, I totally think Uh you're on the right on the money. Yeah. And, we, and we should have gotten a moment, a beat there where he just watches them walk away. So we end on the same shot. Only Marty says yeah. nothing. But instead right. we get kind of this nudging. Oh, I think it was the future all the time. Right, guys? It kind of reminds me yeah. almost I mean. of a, uh, it reminds me of a superhero trailer line. Yep. You know, like back in yeah. the day, every superhero trailer would have a scene where someone would make unintentionally make a pun about like. You know, it's it's the, oh, you do too much. You're not Superman, you know, like a guy dresses <laughs> right. a bat clearly is. is it, that's what that feels like to me. You, yeah, you weave quite a like web, mister, you know, yeah, <laughs> whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, I get you. You sure are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back when they had Peter secret Parker. identities. 
they would do that. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I think that, yeah, I mean, the mood, the, the line just kind of takes the air out of it. I mean, it just, it really does. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow it to build to like, Oh, I think about it all the time. Like, okay. Like, what does that have to do with the scene? Because obviously you don't think about the future because that's the whole point of the scene is that you're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. And then, and then you know, as far as like story editing again, if I'm writing this script, we get mm-hmm. this nice moment where we have the double entendre, the double meaning of future, and Marty's got to think about it. And we end that on the button of uh, you never think about the future. And then we cut to two people that also think about the future in a different way. So now we've got mm-hmm. a new way of looking at the future. Now we've got the good old fashioned Jules Verne. You know, they directly point to him but this is the the old-fashioned the world of the future kind of thinking about the future where it's like what's the potential of human beings can we ever make it to space all that kind of talk so we get another and that's totally like i mean i have a lot to say about clara and and doc i mean i i actually really love this relationship that they have yeah so do we um i'm a really big fan of of how they interact with each other what they mean to each other how they um, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm really getting ahead a minute, but whatever. They're time travelers, or he is a time traveler, and she's eventually a time traveler. They cross paths in this temporal, like, so, so under these temporal circumstances, and they literally might be the only two people for each other. And that's mm-hmm. crazy. When you think about how the fate of that, like that romantic sort of idea of fate, that's really crazy, and it's kind of beautiful. And you can really get the idea from this coming scene well, that their I'll, interaction... I'll, I'll go- I'll go one step further on that because we've talked about this before mm-hmm. um, about how they work as uh, you know, we've talked about that, that destiny sort of um, you know, two people in all of time meant for each other. Yeah, you're but my I'll density. go one step further. Yeah. I'll go one step further. They're both two people who don't, who shouldn't exist except okay. that they exist together because doc is supposed to be dead. But he yep. puts on a bulletproof vest and he saves himself. Clara's supposed to be dead, but Doc saves her. Yep, that's and so right. and so. Not only not only do they find each other all through time, but they're also two people who don't belong anywhere. They're two spare people. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, in the, yeah. it, and in their individual times, say that the, that the death. Uh, aspect is taken out. I don't believe there's anybody for them in their particular times either. I, mm-hmm. I think that if they both exist in the particular time that they were born in, that they never, they both would have died alone. I, yeah. I, yeah. They're just, they're so gross. there's no, there is nobody for her in 1885. She is way too far ahead of her time. She's not going to find them in Hill Valley. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So uh, it's beautiful. I think it's really great. And, and yeah. again, this is going to go back to something that was missing from Back to the Future 2 to me is that Doc is just kind of not even a character in Back to the Future 2 to me. He's just spewing information and we mm-hmm. never really – he doesn't do anything in that movie as far as like a character like learning anything or finding out about himself in any way or having any relationship. Like he's basically just relating to Marty only to tell him what to do. Even from the very beginning of this movie, from once you get past the uh, – prologue the the la- end of the last movie business and you go to the rain the lovely rainy doc's house scene uh which i love i love that the movie opens that way i actually think it's one of the things that makes this movie 
feel so good right at the beginning. I think immediately we get Doc back. Suddenly we got Doc back. Like we didn't mm-hmm. have Doc for the whole second movie. He was just a cipher. And now suddenly he's Doc again. And then he he's, he's 1955 Doc. And then we go back to uh, the Old West and he's not only 1985 Doc, but he's a happier 1985 Doc. And yeah. you, we like him more. And suddenly he's a great character again. And I'm really glad then they give him – she very generously give him a love, which makes it all the all the better. And it's one of the things that really elevates this movie again. And so here we are. We're right. At, we're not at the beginning of the relationship per se, but this is really where it starts to take yeah. shape. It really is interesting because I've never really, I guess I've never really like thought of this on purpose. Like I guess I've I've always had it in the back of my mind, but I've never really thought about it. I find it really interesting that Marty McFly as a character, he has Jennifer, but he already has her. So Marty as a character doesn't really have a romance in these movies. It It's strange, right? Yeah. When you think about it. Well, three yeah, movies, the, three the movies is, and no romance for the lead character. That's really interesting. The thing is that George has the romance, right? In the right. first one. So we get a romance story. You know, in a weird way, I mean, obviously Marty is the protagonist of one, but in a weird way, it's a two-hander. Uh, George is George is a very strong character, and actually, the 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 I'm trying to think of how to put this. It's kind of weird. I've never really thought about it this way, but the movie really kind of hinges on George, right? Like uh, whether Marty yeah, exists I mean, or I, not depends on I, George's choices. And we've made the argument that. Uh, the only movie in which Marty is the protagonist is actually the second movie. <laughs> and in the first and third one, he's the main character, but he's not the protagonist because he doesn't really change. Well, I mean, but the pro- protagonist, I don't know if a protagonist has to change. I just, they, they just kind of got to motivate the action. And he certainly mm-hmm. does that. Now he does it by mistake at first by going back in time, but then he does have to, he has to, figure out what's going on and, and she sort of push the characters in the right direction. That's why it's kind of a two hander is because he's not only, he's aware of what George mm-hmm. needs to do and he needs to make that happen. But George has to make his own choices too, in order for it mm-hmm. to work. So in a weird way, it's kind of a two hander movie where George and, and Marty are, are co-main characters or co-protagonists, but th- right. that's kind of strange. I've never really thought about it that way, but yeah, and the second one, he is the protagonist with nothing, with nothing to do. He doesn't have any – he's just got to run around through a complicated maze of time travel right. crap. So he has no love the in only, that story. I mean, he has the only one, Jennifer. It's but, the only one where he fights a villain too is the second one. It's true. Because Biff is like a straight-up well, antagonist, whereas there's not really an antagonist in the other two movies. Not really. See, again, um, Buford here is an obstacle like you guys mentioned right. earlier. But he is a much more lethal obstacle. He's an obstacle that can end it all for him uh, right. pretty quickly and easily. So he's more dangerous. But again, he is still just an obstacle. He's still just kind of getting in the way of the time travel uh, complication. Yeah. But yeah, it's strange. You're right. Like, uh, but It's nice because in a lot of ways, Doc is – is this might be a kind of a two-hander, right? Mm-hmm. Where again, Doc's got a lot riding on this movie where in, in the first one, he's really just – He's pretty generous, uh, Doc. You know, he makes it a real point to get Marty back to the future. He goes all out to do it. I'm not sure if he really would, like, did you guys talk about whether he really had to do that or not? 
Um, I'm uh, not sure yeah. he did. Did he? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I don't, he didn't, but, but at the same time, it's sort of like, well, he had the idea for time travel. This yeah. kid is like, I, I travel back in time. You did the thing that you thought of just like five minutes ago when you fell off the toilet. Um, and so like, I feel like he feels he has an, some sort of obligation. Um, oh, for sure. To, to time and space. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think he had to, but yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing that we talked about is that, um, again, with, with back to the future, that ring theory of back to the future and back to the future three in back to the future, Marty's goal is to get two people together. And in back to the future three, it's to keep two people apart. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I just think is, uh, it's a really interesting way and fun way to structure a trilogy. Marty McFly, Cosmic Cupid. Yeah. Well, and in and in the in the mirroring kind of version of the Ring Theory or whatever. Yeah. Uh, instead of Doc finding out at the last minute that he is life is dependent on this, he finds out right away. Right as soon as Doc, Marty gets to 1985, he drops that mm-hmm. letter on him. Like, hey, going to tell you this. I, I learned my lesson the first time. You need to know this right away. And right. so it's good. But in this case, then that changes the dynamic of the character. Right. So Doc in the first movie, what has a sense of responsibility, he's a good guy. He sees that this guy's existence, Marty's existence is dependent on him and in danger because of his discoveries. Right. So he mm-hmm. takes the responsibility. But here he's actually trying to save his own ass too. like he's trying mm-hmm. to stop himself from getting killed and get back. To 1985, well, so. But this, and this is the doc who put on the bulletproof vest. So he's not mm-hmm. the doc that's afraid of screwing with time really anymore. No, no. Yeah, that's over. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's about to wreck a train for mm-hmm. the hell of it. Um, oh, it's all, that's so over at this point. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's worried about that space time continuum and all that <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I just, I really love the stargazing scene. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit before um, that, you know, Clara, like when Clara is teaching Doc about astronomy, I think most people watch this scene and observe it as a, oh, like he's being cute and he's like pretending that he doesn't know all this stuff and is just like letting her talk because he likes her. But my argument is that he doesn't know anything about astronomy really other than like the basics. And yeah, he, he said he's never been interested in it. I don't right. know if that's this minute or the next minute, but he does say he's never been interested in that. So, right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and she likes it because it's, you know, it's the way that she, she looks at a world outside of herself and she gets to like have all these thoughts and adventures and imagination. And it's, it's just really, I don't know. It's just really great. Like their relationship I, is just so clean, you know. I I, uh, I find this scene, and I know I think I can't remember if this is off mic or on mic, but Scott and I have brought up this film before. But it, it reminds me a lot of um, Penelope's card trick scene in The Brothers Bloom, where mm. we sort of get like a background into like why this character is the way that she is. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And here we're setting yeah. up. She knows things. She's a small town school teacher and she knows things that in 1885, basically nobody knows. Like the, yeah. this is not common knowledge. They don't probably even, she's probably not even allowed to teach this in her own class. You know, mm-hmm. like it's probably not part of the curriculum, right? It's just her own. She's so uh, curious and, and she loves to, you know, her studies 
just like Doc. And uh, that's why she knows all this stuff. And it's again, it speaks back to this. She's the only one in this time in the whole world at this time that is like she is. And that's what Doc is the only one. It would take a guy from, you know, from the 50s, the 80s to come back to her to be a match for her. So, again, yeah. we're back to that. And I think it's it's a really good love story that that's forming here. Absolutely. And in fact, I would argue that they make more sense than George and Lorraine, because that's the one thing that that movie doesn't give you is that it cheats by being like, well, you know, they're married in the future, so we don't need them to really make a lot of sense. Like we can kind of like smudge it a little bit and just be like, yeah, they, you know, it's it's fine. They, they, they're fine together. Like it works. Um, but this is the only relationship in this movie where you completely understand how and why these two people belong together. Yeah. God, it took that long for them to get around to building <laughs> a love story like that. But oh, well, yeah. Part two is also the only one in the trilogy without a prominent love story. I mean, right. all, all there is, right, is uh, I mean, you get the background of George getting murdered and Lorraine going with Biff, and that's weird. And then you get the Jennifer, uh, who's only in the movie because she was at the end of the first movie. Right. Um, what are we going to do with Jennifer? I'll knock her out. How about that? And uh, yeah, that's so that's not a love story at all. It's just. Marty's girlfriend, who he pretty much forgets about, right? Until this movie. Like, yeah, I mean, all, the goes, only oh, thing my God, does, Jennifer's on the porch. <laughs> yeah. The only thing it does is gives them a, you know, air quote, like photograph to reference at the end of this movie with the you're fired facts. Yep. Um, so that that can disappear so they can be like, oh, it worked. Everything's different now. Yay. Yep. Uh, that's the only thing that having her in the movie gave them. Um, but mm. uh yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the Jennifer thing, you know, it's 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 a lot like the George and Lorraine thing because they're already together. We can just assume that they're they're good together, and you don't have to build anything like you do here. It's yeah. uh, it's interesting. You know, it would have been really cool as if when he came back to nineteen eighty five at the end of Back to the Future, if he didn't have Jennifer anymore, and then Part Two was like him trying to get her to fall in love with him again. See, that would have like, been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could probably spend the rest of your life coming up with better plots for Back <laughs> to the Future Part 2, but that would be one because that's he loses that, right? He comes back, right. oh, all I wanted to do was have that badass truck and go to the lake with Jennifer. It's all I wanted from life. And when he yeah. gets back, he gets it all except for the most important part, Jennifer. Yeah. And then he has to spend his time trying to win her back, but he's now he's the rich douchebag, you know, to her yeah. <laughs> instead of the cool Marty, the guy who skateboards around town and plays guitar. And yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. And I, and I still wish it would have been Melora Hardin uh, playing that character and she could have continued being that character. But yeah. Anyway. We've, we've talked about, um, uh, you mean, cl cl Oh, Oh, from no, the, I mean, the very first the, casting. I'm talking the very about the, first casting. Yeah. If she was only yeah. a few inches shorter, she would have been in that movie. Yeah, I've been I watching know. a lot That's of the office. I've been watching the office a lot lately and, and watch transparent. And I'm like, she's for real. I I love her. I think she's actually yeah. a really good actor and extremely funny. And she, so she would have been perfect for back to the future. Yeah. She's she been, been the great. continual Jennifer. Oh, well, anyway, oh, well, that was never. Gonna um, 
I think that's uh is that all we got for this uh minute? Oh, I'm good if you're good. All right. Well, uh you can also uh if you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can go to duelinggenre.com and you can check out your Harry Potter minutes, your Lord of the Rings minutes, your Spider-Man minutes coming soon. And uh yeah, a lot of stuff brewing over at duelinggenre.com and we love hearing from you guys. So uh if you listen to an episode and have something to say, leave a comment because we love going on the website and checking out what folks have been thinking of the stuff we've been putting out. Yeah. And, and uh, check out the show. Uh, Nick and I write geek by night. Yeah, um, absolutely. Also uh, on duelinggenre.com. Right. We should be, I, I think a new episode should be just like a couple weeks away Ooh, from this uh, that's airing. Ex- that's exciting. Um, the part, part one of our finale. Um, so, uh, so go check that out. Uh, Cause season one is wrapping up. And so now there's like, uh, th- 13 12 13 14 episodes 14 14 episodes for you to binge uh to lead up to the finale so go yeah. check that out uh all of that at duelinggenre.com mm-hmm. and we'll be back tomorrow with uh minute 65 bye guys